0: coming up on this episode of The Courage to Change men who have been abused as young boys by other boys by other men or boys as their first sexual experience, the sexuality piece is really difficult and it doesn't matter whether you turn out as homosexual or not. The straight men have as hard of a time with it as the homosexual men or anyone in between. And it's something that's really interesting. It doesn't matter whether you're straight or gay or anything in between. When your first sexual experience is something confusing, it it confuses things throughout your life and that's normal. Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to the Courage to Change a Recovery podcast. My name is Ashley lowe Game, and I am your host. Today, we have an after the episode, episode 105. And I am here with the amazing, beautiful Ashley Brewer. Oh, hi. Thank you. (laughs) What what, um, episode is your story? I wanted to introduce it, but I can't
1: remember. My story is episode... 92, episode 92. Check it out if you haven't
0: heard it already.
1: It's amazing. Yes, it is. I might say so myself, but hey.
0: (laughs) Yes, Yes. it's amazing. Love it. Today, okay, we have a lot to cover today. We're covering Stuart O'Neill, Andre Roberts, Lucas Krigler, Keith Smith. So that's episodes 100, 101, 103, and 104
1: very excited about this. It's going to be, yeah, we'll see how this goes because we were just saying they're all so different from each other, but I think they all have something super unique and special to bring to the table too. Totally. Um,
0: to give you the full episode 100, Stuart O'Neill, Just One Reason author discusses suicidal ideation and depression. Episode 101, Andre Roberts, Where Are They Now? Plus a special discussion surrounding racial justice. Episode 103, Lucas Krigler, trans man and activist shares his recovery and how to approach sensitive conversations. Episode 104, Keith Smith, I don't believe in labels, but I identify as gay. So happy Pride Month. Just wanted to uh, start by saying that June is Pride Month, as um, I'm sure you have seen if you are someone who goes on the internet and... Uh, We have some episodes this month that talk about Pride Month and we tried to represent. So um, those should be fun conversations. Big news, Christiana, our producer, had her baby. Yay! Uh, Jordan Cash, little girl, born May 1st, 2021. She was 6 pounds, 14 ounces, 20.5 inches. And
1: she is the most beautiful baby, like legitimately the most beautiful baby ck is sending me pictures i'm like oh my goodness my children were seriously aliens compared to her (laughs) totally my kids were so funny looking so check Um, it out on our instagram you guys we posted a picture on instagram at courage to change underscore podcast and please leave ck a note she's out for a few weeks here but she misses everybody and wishes she could be here with us
0: Yes, please go leave
1: her leave her a note and a uh, little hi.
0: She's home taking care of Jordan. And uh oh, follow us on TikTok. We have joined the cool kids.
1: Oh, <laughs> I'm waiting I, for you to do a dance, Ashley, but I oh mean I don't know if we'll get there. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna have to do
0: I'm I, I don't have TikTok on my phone. So that may have to change. I feel like I'm 90 saying that.
1: You need to get TikTok. But anyway, we're using the channel to share some notes from our guests from episodes. So you guys can see their faces and hear directly from them what topics they talk about in their episodes and kind of what they were excited about when they recorded with Ashley. So make sure you check us out on TikTok. It's the same as Instagram at Change underscore podcast.
0: podcast. Okay, and we are now available on... On Pandora. So if you listen to Pandora, go check us out. We have an okay, this is awesome. Ashley Brewer did this and just so amazing. So it's a new page with episodes by topic. So there's substance use, eating disorders, grief and loss, and lots of other topics, LGBTQIA+, suicide, parenting and recovery, family perspective. So if you go to lionrock.life backslash podcast dash episodes dash by dash topic or you could just go to lionrock.life, find podcasts and then episodes by topic. It is so cool. I, I really am so excited because we were able to put all these different um I'm looking at it right now. So like there's uh, prescription medication um, and there's a bunch of stories there. Gambling, all the different... um, So episodes that you can listen to, different topics, and some people fit in a lot of topics.
1: And I'm adding more of them on a daily basis. So something fun is I'm actually going through the episodes again and listening to them for a second time to figure out which categories they fall under and how they best work. But I'll say, Ash, like I'm learning new stuff the second time around too. And just remind myself how amazing some of these stories are and how resilient some of these people are. So it's great to hear from other people in recovery.
0: Awesome, I love that. You're learning new stuff. I know it's like new bits and pieces. I need to go back and listen to season one. Uh, Hard to listen to myself talk. But... Oh, I know. (laughs) (laughs) We hope you've been loving our new Ask the Experts. Um, We can talk briefly about Kristen Casey's episode
1: 102. Did you want to comment on that? Yeah, I just, well, A, I feel like you and I could have an entire after the episode about this and I kind of went against our rules even putting it on here, but I wanted to put it on here just from some of the conversations that you and I had after Kristen Casey's Mm -hmm. episode because we both went into this thing, I think you found it because you were really curious about it and kind of went into this thing thinking that we were going to go through the recording and still past judgment on surrogate partner therapy. If you haven't listened to the episode, episode 102 with Kristen Casey, it's amazing. But I walked away from my prep call with Kristen and then your recording session with Kristen. just with like, my mind was blown and I could see the benefit and the value in what she's doing for people. Yeah. if you
0: Surrogate partner therapy is fascinating, absolutely fascinating. And I got it. I was just looking for, I got a message from someone saying, I had to reach out about your interview with Kristen Casey on the podcast. It was phenomenal. The fact that you brought her on was really great. And then your questions that invited such an open discussion about intimacy, sex and healing was incredible and so important in the world and in the recovery sphere, we are benefiting from that kind of courage. Thank you. And that was just, super, super nice to hear from someone that they got a lot out of it because I, I honestly got so much out of it thinking about, it. I told my mom, I'm like, mom, you gotta go listen to this. And, uh, just, you know, and I, I tried to explain, and that was the thing. I tried to explain it to her and she lo- just looked at me and I'm like, no. look at you with these you know, eyes. Yeah. Like, yeah. what are yeah. you I'm like, talking about? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm doing a terrible job here. So I, but I really think it's, it was one of the better, one of the better episodes that I've done. Just really fascinating, starting from a place of like, mm, we'll see what this is to having, you know, r- feeling very
1: supportive of it. And I've sent so many people to that episode this season as well, <laughs> just because it was, it was fascinating. And I think, like I said, I entered into it with judgment and kind of left it with a great amount of understanding, which I think is kind of a good position for where we're at in the world today. Like we need to have understanding, develop that understanding and educate ourselves on things that we don't know about. And it's easy to pass judgment when we don't know, but you don't know what you don't know. And I knew nothing about surrogate partner therapy. So nothing, nothing. I didn't either gosh, I can't remember how I found out about it. I I heard about it and then I just started searching. But uh, that's my, you know, going down the black hole of searching one thing and you end up eight hours later on something else. I just remember getting the text from you to reach out to her and being like, well, So this is going to be interesting and we're going to see where this goes. And like, after going through the whole journey behind the scenes, it was just, it was a very fun episode. She's so professional and very enlightening. So she's awesome. Yeah. I've never heard anyone talk about
0: those topics in such a way that was so like professional, like clearly skilled, but also professional and also therapeutic. Like (laughs) I've never heard anyone talk about a skilled blowjob therapeutically. I just haven't. (laughs) I don't know about you. But I just, it's like, and describing it in detail. And you're like, you're like speechless, but also you see therapeutic, but also you're like, oh my God. And it's, I just,
1: that was, I was like, okay, yeah, I'm at a loss. And she's also so well articulated that you're just like, what's happening here but it was it was phenomenal so go and listen yeah
0: we're doing a really strange job of describing
1: I I mean like I feel like we could reenact (laughs) it but it would just sound like a really bad sex phone call you know what I mean like oh my goodness goodness. the worst (laughs)
0: version of uh what was it oh god Fifty Shades of Grey. Oh
1: no, let's not. Let's, let's not do that. Okay. Let's spare right, them. All right. So we okay, let's let's jump right into episode one hundred with Stuart O'Neill. So he a he's from Australia, so he has like the greatest accent mm-hmm. ever, but his story was one that's difficult to listen to and yet beautiful at the same time because he struggled with suicidal ideation for most of his adult life. And he's actually written a book now called Just One Reason, and he's using his experience to help others. So there was a very specific point in your discussion with him, Ashley, where you were talking about how we often go back to comforting thoughts or comforting places during moments of stress or crisis. So that's the clip I picked for this one. For
0: you, when life has gotten intense, you've had, you've continued to struggle with suicidal ideation. What is it about coming back to that same thought of suicide that brings you comfort in those moments when it feels like too much?
2: I keep finding a reason. And and it happens over and over, like constantly. It's 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 sort of, I feel like it's it's ever present, and and for the for the greater part of a day or a week or a month, it's dormant, but it's just there waiting. And um, when I get into those sort of um spaces, which is too often, I just find ways to get back out, and and it's usually just any old reason, it doesn't matter what it is. And it can be different. It could be like, oh, hang on, my football team's playing next Saturday and they might win. I want to find out if they win, you know, because it's <laughs> a final. So, right. so I've found that it's often any number of random reasons, but one's enough to get you back out again and get you past that that thing. And I know I sort of relate things to like a, a cyclone or a huge storm. And, you know, when when you're in that that peak period it's the eye of the storm and you know and i know now that the storm passes so it's in that that half an hour or that 10 minutes or that one hour that i just have to know that the clock's ticking still and that it will pass and so in that time i have to get i have to find that reason otherwise that becomes the crazy hour where it's where it's it's final and there's no coming back
0: so I looked up a couple of studies, one called Comfort from Suicidal Cognition in Recurrently Depressed Patients, found some interesting stuff. So the study is let's see, you can find it. I'll put it in the show notes too. Okay, you can put it in the, you can find it in the show notes. But okay. So this was interesting. It said Systematic review of 11 studies found consistent evidence for a link between rumination and suicidality and have demonstrated that suppression of suicidal thoughts is associated with increased severity of such thoughts, both concurrently and prospectively, over a four-weeks period. So it says these findings suggest that developing an understanding of both the content of a patient's suicidal cognitions and of the way they relate to those cognitions may be critical to inform clinical management. Uh, I found a couple other that are very that are you know similar but basically interestingly in the in the research it shows that holding on, trying to suppress suicidal thoughts and holding on to them not talking
1: about them led to a higher rate of suicide completion. So meaning and, not allowing yourself to like feel them and talk through them and work through them. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like letting it out
0: and talking about it allowed people to was evidence of a lower rate of completed suicide and in, in, in the people that they studied which makes sense right you're cuz you're you're airing it out you're not suppressing it you're not letting it you know grow in the dark wet places inside you just where no one goes right you're putting sunshine on it and that always clears things out when you put things out into the light but um i thought that was interesting that they had at least studied that also that it talked a lot about suicidal thoughts as comfort as comfort mm-hmm. because there it feels like there's an option to escape the dis the you know, discomfort and pain that is they're currently experiencing in their life. and that it is often for people just that comfortable place, like, I have this option at least.
1: like it gives them a choice in whatever situation they're in, right? Because they don't feel like they have a choice. And so this is the
0: ultimate, you know, they say it's a permanent decision for a temporary problem. Um, but it feels like, it feels like at least you have at least you have an option
1: yeah what i think is unique about what stuart has done is getting people to think about their one reason when they're in those moments of crisis i think that Stuart, the difference
0: between you know the momentary suicidal ideation like the, not momentary but situational and the ongoing which sounds like what Stewart experiences is like pretty ongoing you know for long periods of time I think that you can I think the difference was he knew that there was always going to be another suicidal ideation episode after the one he was having so he in between episodes could have a book that he used. And so when he knew it's like, you know, us with a craving, like we know that once a craving stops, you know, there may be a long period of time or short period of time between the next one, but there's probably going to be another one. And so we have the time to prepare between. And I think that when you regularly have suicide as that comfort or suicidal ideation based on a myriad of factors that, his book is that tool that you can ha- have on hand so that you know where to go when the, when the ideas start to come i think for situations that you and i may have been in where you know oh my, this is starting to happen we don't really know how to deal with it we we were not really thinking about it in like long-term suicidal ideation. It's like, I just have to get out of this in moment. The moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just this moment. I think it's a little bit different, but in only in the sense that you're, you're probably not prepared. Right. You know, the, having the
1: book by definition is preparation. Well, and what I like about what you just, the study that you just read connects to what Stuart did because it's allowing people to feel and think about and talk about those things that they're feeling. I had like a really proud mom moment with this actually where I ordered Stuart's book and he was so kind to send me a whole box of stuff. There was books and other stuff in there. So we have copies. And if anybody would like a copy first come first serve basis, just email us at podcast at lionrock.life and we can get you a copy But I had um, given a copy to my daughter for one of her friends because she had been struggling. And I just gave a copy to my daughter too as a, hey, just in case. And so one night I'm walking up the stairs at like 1130 and I hear her on the phone and I'm about to do my mom thing where I'm like, Get the heck off the phone and get to bed. It's 1130. What are you doing? And I open the door and she's on FaceTime with three of her friends and they're going through the book together, reading the book together and answering the questions to each other.
0: Oh my goodness. How old's your daughter again? She's 14.
1: 14. Yeah. Wow. And so I love that it's like helping people have these conversations too, you know, she had the book and was kind of like, I think it's weird. You're giving this to me. And also thank you. It's a gift. Like I really appreciate it, but I wasn't expecting to walk into her room and see her FaceTiming with multiple friends
0: talking about
1: it. That's really cool. That's really cool. Definitely.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's the point, right. Is like to spark that conversation because, you know, I think, I, I don't know. I think, many people if not most people who experience some kind of addiction at least the fleeting thought passes their mind you know of whether or not they'd like to continue on and i i i actually have this funny story so i was talking to my dad and we were with a group of people and I said something, this was years ago. And I said something like, well, you know, when you want to kill yourself and like, you know, it's like this, 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 and it was a table of normies, including my father. And I, I could tell that my, what I had just, you know, I, I, I can, I can read the room. I just don't know not to say it in the first place. And, uh, and so I could tell that, you know, like, no, they don't know what you're talking about. And so I look around and I was like, nobody here has ever wanted to kill themselves. And they're like, no. And, and my dad, I'm like, you've never wanted to, you know, like never even considered. Duh, duh, duh. Nope, never considered it. Like just never considered. It. I'm like, wow. Like, and none of these people have substance um, or major, major mental health issues. But I just thought that was, I mean, I I assumed, I didn't know that not everybody had experienced that or not everybody. And then we went into, um, I said, like, Something about, like, you know, when you stay in bed all day and you know, you just can't get out of bed, and they might die, and they're like, Yeah, when I'm sick, you know, I stay in bed, but there's, and I'm like, No, 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 like when you're just like, Wake up, and you're like, Yeah, I'm not doing today, like, just right, not I'm going for- back to bed, <laughs> back to bed. Yeah, it was, it was definitely pre children, but like, you know, and nobody my dad said the only day he's ever just laid in bed all day because he just couldn't deal was the day that he hired people to come into our house and, you know, effectively kidnap me and take me to a a lockdown center in Utah. Like that's, he said, that's the only day he's ever gone and laid down in bed. So there's definitely, you know, is it this is not something that everybody experiences, but I know in our community that it's huge, but it's just very interesting. We don't know what isn't normal right? Like we don't, if you don't talk about it, you actually don't even know that it's not normal. Cause I completely, and this was, you know, years into
1: working in the field or whatever. Like I just assumed everybody had at one point in time had these thoughts. Yeah. And I love what you said about, you don't know, it's not normal. Like (laughs) I've been having this discussion with my therapist about like, I know I didn't grow up in like a normal place, but what is normal? Like, is there actually... Is does it exist or is there yeah. something? Because we all Apparently just not
0: wanting to kill yourself is normal. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> turns Good out flash,
1: just found out. Uh
0: not yeah, I was like, oh, okay. Well, I'm gonna just sit here and be quiet now.
1: <laughs> no, and I think it's something that you and I, because we both experience moments like that. And even with Stuart, like we can all laugh about this because we're not in the midst of that moment right now, yeah. but it's obviously a very serious topic that we take very seriously. And if you're struggling and listening right now, we'll put the National Suicide Hotline in our show notes and just know that you are not alone because there are people like me and Ashley and Stuart who have had these thoughts, but apparently not the men who went (laughs) to dinner with Peter that night.
0: (laughs) Yeah, apparently not. Definitely. Um, Wish I had known that. Definitely outed myself. Yeah. And if you are, you know, please feel free to reach out to us on, on, um, you know, social media, if you're struggling or any, you know, we definitely, we check those things and yeah. Stay tuned to hear more in just a moment.
3: Hi, it's Christiana, your producer. And if you're like me and you love coffee or coffee alternatives, you can now shop with the cause by visiting lionrock.life and clicking on shop. 100% of the profits fund substance abuse treatment for those who can't afford it. You can't really go wrong. We're now carrying, in addition to our amazing coffee, if you haven't tried it, matcha made in organic matcha powder. Love me some green tea. Golden Grind Turmeric Latte Blend and Prana Chai Original Blend. So we've got something for everyone. We love mixing these delicious coffee alternatives with something like milk. Or almond milk, oat milk, or even just hot water. The organic matcha powder is vegan-friendly, gluten-free, dairy-free, and simply delectable. The turmeric latte blend, the winner of Australia's best beverage product in 2017, helps bring about relaxation and restoration while also nurturing your body. The prana chai, that has been my pregnancy craving, it's amazing, is blended in Melbourne from all natural ingredients and uses 100% Australian quality honey blended by hand with tea and whole spices. By shopping for coffee and coffee alternatives at lionrock.life, you are also helping provide substance abuse treatment for someone who can't afford it. Your favorite drink with a cause. So again, go to lionrock.life, click on shop, and you'll see our coffee and our brand new coffee alternatives. We hope that you enjoy it. Send us a picture. Maybe we will feature you on our Instagram as well.
0: So that was awesome. And then the next, we were going to talk about Andre Roberts. Andre Roberts. Where are they now?
1: I love Andre and I was so excited to get to connect with him after having listened to his episode. So he originally shared in season two in a bonus episode. So if you haven't listened to that one, check that out. But Ashley, I think is going to play a clip for us. And so we have to decide as a nation
0: and I don't know how this will pan out, but we have to decide on what what's historical commentary about things that were going on at that period of time because every period of time has some horrible shit that went down and what we're allowing to be you know what we're what we're um sanitizing because I'm, I'm afraid we're sanitizing history are you kidding me like
4: I think history's always been It's been overly sanitized in this country. But going back to
3: the television thing, All in the Family, remember All in the Family? Archie Mm -hmm. Bunker? I wish they would
4: air that every day. I think they should wear it, it every day and everybody should watch it every day
3: because, and laugh at the buffoonery of bigotry. Why not? Because you put a mirror up to people.
0: So I looked up some stuff, you know, the sanitizing history I looked up and I thought it was really interesting because... I, I just found a couple things. Every so many, everybody agrees that we shouldn't sanitize history, right? So, like, all everybody's in agreement. Right. How, however, how that's done is is the part where people disagree, which I found was interesting because I I found all these different opinions, and and uh, you know, it was one was talking about we need to you have this movement, the history reform movement calls for moving us. History beyond a focus on elite white males, exposing and analyzing systemic racism and telling inclusive, complex stories across time. Mm-hmm. And it goes into, you know, really into changing how we teach in our schools. And there was, there was a, I don't know where it went, but con, uh, an article, Condoleezza Rice, talking about how you know again shouldn't sanitize history but she was talking about how we shouldn't take down we shouldn't rename buildings we shouldn't take down uh statues we shouldn't you know and then these other people were talking about how we shouldn't we should take down those things we should rename everything and we should talk about it you in our us history we need to talk about you know columbus you know, and, and, and Native Americans and all the things that actually went down that are are pretty whitewashed. And I thought it was really interesting and in kind of a, um, a bigger conversation around a lot of the time we all want the same thing. The problem is that we, we want to get there differently and, right. or we think we can get there differently. A lot of people, you know, I think a lot of people believe in America as a melting pot, but they think, you know, and, and immigration, they have opinions, but then they think it should be done differently. And suddenly, suddenly you have two people who actually really what it comes down to is they just want to make sure there's enough jobs for their families and they just want to make sure they're taken care of. And, you know, and the other person wants that too. They just everybody thinks about getting, getting those things differently. And if you all, if you take everything and come back right back to the root of it, unless it's hate, but even hate, I think comes from a place of fear of not being able to take care of yourself, not being able to protect yourself, not having enough, not having enough for your family. Like I, it feels like it comes from all the same places. For me, I often, when these, he talked about Archie Bunker and you know, these TV shows, I didn't, I don't always recognize something as being problematic until I see it in context or till I see someone else do it. So it is often helpful for me to see those things and to think about them, ponder them, see if they fit into my world. Because I, I think I was watching a music video um, from the 90s. And I could not believe that that music video had been, you know, broadcast. Like it would never, ever, ever be broadcast today. But it's um, "You and Me Baby Ain't Nothing But Animals," so oh let's do it God. like they do on the Discovery Channel. You remember that song? Yes, I do. And I watched the video, the music video, and like they're like kidnapping people with dwarfism. They're 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 putting women in box like. It is beyond anything that would. But in in watching that, I was made aware of how that was part of my norm and something I didn't realize
1: brought to light since then. Mm-hmm. Kind of going back to the you don't know until, until you know type of thing. All of these are conversations that in the last how many, I don't know, five, ten years have started coming into light and started coming into the forefront of discussions. I mean, it's why you're talking about sanitizing history. Like, I'm from South Dakota. The state of South Dakota is spending $900,000 to rewrite the history books and to revise the history books as their way of maybe not sanitizing, maybe undoing the sanitizing that's already been done. Right, right. Yes, totally.
0: It also brought to light for me, one of the things in this music video was that I really, I grew up like in the 90s with this idea that like a guy who is pressuring you or like, like this was a a, a really um, obtuse version. It was, you know, very like blatant version of what I'm talking about. But, you know, the idea that someone wants you so badly that they would kidnap you like sexually or that they would stare at you or they would touch you without your permission is like in the 90s, we thought that was hot. We were like, that means they can't resist themselves. That means, you know, like it, it was look, I grew up in a time where that was looked at very differently. And so it actually helped me understand that I don't totally always understand the things or the the culture that goes on now with like asking permission for everything. I didn't grow up like that. And even though I don't see myself as very old it <laughs> don't I, age I, yourself because yeah, then you age even, me by more. I, I've got yeah. years on you. So, yeah. So I don't see myself as like having grown up that long ago, but it does. I'm like, Oh, these things, all the, you know, and that's just a small example, but like when I was a kid, when I was growing up as a teenager, what pop culture, that stuff was the norm for me. So maybe I am much more used to things that are no longer acceptable than I'm, than I really want to admit.
1: Or did we even, because I would work at the tanning salon and watch VH1's top music hits and you and me, baby ain't nothing but mammals would come on. Did we even realize what was um, happening on no, it? You know what not. I mean? But absolutely now we're not. realizing it because these conversations have been brought to light. Whereas then, if if I watched it, I would probably just be like, I have no idea what's going on, but I love this song. Yeah,
0: right. I'm dancing. I'm uh, well. It. I just didn't think about it. I guess it was not. It was so normal. But when you, okay, so like take that and like okay, so that's what was normal. So when we talk about racism and we talk about people growing up with racism in in, built into all the things, the music videos, the the subtleties, all the different things, right? And people, all of us, you know, coming back to all of us, I think most of us at least do not want to be racist, right? We don't want to be prejudiced. Mm -hmm. And I think what a lot of people are saying is, yes, however, you grew up with a norm That by definition or by our definition, that norm that you grew up with is racist, right? And I'm going, no, that's not what they meant, you know, or whatever. And so that shift, that understanding and and having these conversations and then going back and watching that stuff, super helpful for me. Because I wouldn't notice it. Like, if you were like, Ashley, you grew up in a time where, you know, people were, you know, (laughs) putting people with dwarfism and small cages and music videos or whatever. I wouldn't have remembered that. I wouldn't have thought anything of it. And then watching it, I'm like, oh, I, and then, and then in sanitizing.
1: So then do we take it down or do we look back and say it's different now? I think we look... That's what I mean. Like, looking back at that stuff, super helpful for me. I think
0: sanitizing... I I think sanitizing history is just all around a mistake. But again, most people think that, but they think we should do it differently. Some people think we... It's sanitizing history to take down um, statues of... Of Confederate generals. Other people f- don't. And and so how do we agree on, you know, how what that looks like? And all of that is part of the, you know, racial justice, uh, inclusion, uh, diversity, all of these various conversations that are becoming really, really important and at the for- forefront
1: of what we're doing these days. And I don't envy the people who are having to be the ones to make those decisions, because how do you do it in the right way, in a way that, makes uh, who decides what's right. Kind of back to the beginning of your conversation. Yeah. Like yeah. everybody wants to do it a different way. We all want the same final destination, but we're all looking at a different map of how to get there.
0: I guess that's what democracy is like at the, at the end of the day, right? Is mm-hmm. we, we all want the the right to choose and the right to participate and the right to vote, but we don't all want the same things. How do we, you know, how do we get to a, an America that we can all live with while, also uh, you know keeping the foundation of of what we've built through the the democracy and and our system right and how do we update our systems and all of that so i think it's really the the foundation of of america
1: and i think it comes down to everybody being heard and feeling accepted and that transitions nicely into lucas krigler's story because lucas oh gosh he was so much fun to have on the show, by the way, like just working with him leading up to it. He was so much fun. So fun. His clip that I specifically pulled is all about being accepted for who he is. Yes. I'm going to play it.
4: Ironically, I just saw a really nice um, advertising campaign for this where they in parentheses is for a, you know? So if you think about it in this sense, like, you know, wow, you're really good at that sport for a girl, you know, Mm, or mm. you're really, you look really good for your age. You know what I mean? You look really good for a trans person. You look just like a guy for a trans person, you know, like I would have never known. So in that context, and you have to think about people's intent when it's, you know, for me, I was like, wow, I'm being accepted. But there are moments even in, you know, my career and other moments where I'm like, are people thinking, are people kind of just impressed with me because I'm trans? You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Is it just because like for for being trans? Like, no, I just want to be a special guy. You know, I don't want to be like a special trans guy.
0: So that one was really interesting. And I, you know, to say I understand where he's coming from is probably a stretch, but I can I can imagine where he's coming from. I really, I have this thing where I think that I think about a lot, which is, you know, I have a really normal life, so to speak, in the sense Mm -hmm. that I I have, you know, I have a dog, I have a house, three bedroom, two bathroom house I rent. And, uh, you know, I, I am married to a man, I, you know, drive a minivan, like, my life is you know, very, very average, normal, whatever normal would be certainly normal for me, but it is extra. You know, I, I get up every day, I, I feed my children, I feed my dog, I feed the plants. Those things for most people are not extraordinary. They're the things that you do, right? It is mm-hmm. not extraordinary to pay your bills, right? That's mm-hmm. the expectation, mm-hmm. the bottom line expectation, but because of where I come from, the, the mental health stuff I've struggled with, those things are extraordinary because I'm a person who set on default does a lot of dumb shit and <laughs> none of them include normalcy, right? I can tell you stories all day of what I do on default. It is not what you're, you know, it's not the normal everyday functional adult stuff. So when he talks about, when um, Lucas talks about, you know, wanting to be, not wanting to be like you're good for a guy or you, you know, those types of things. Yes, I I can imagine he would feel that way. At, I think it's more as it relates to being trans, probably, but I do think it's important to highlight that some things are extraordinary because of where you come from or where you started. And Mm -hmm. to take that out would actually make a lot of things that people do not that extraordinary, right? It's, it's, oh my gosh, so-and-so beat stage four cancer. Okay, that just means they're alive, that's it. That means they are currently living. That's mm-hmm. extraordinary for someone with stage four cancer, but for the everyday person, right? We don't celebrate everybody. I mean, except on their birthday, we don't celebrate everyone being alive. Right. So I I hear what he's saying, but I also think there is a place for you look amazing for your age. Or, you know, I don't, not that you should say that, but, you know, there's a place for acknowledging where you are are and where you came from.
1: I absolutely agree with you. There's a place to acknowledge that and a place where things like you do, like paying your bills every day on a daily basis, that's extraordinary for you. It's extraordinary for me some moments in time too. At the same time, I understand where Luke is coming from in saying that because not at all in the trans way, but I'll, I'll paint this picture. I was bullied very much as a child. And so when my bullying stopped and I had this transition of going from being bullied to being accepted and well-liked was right around the time that I started playing volleyball. And so I would question all the time, mm. do they just like me because I play volleyball? Do they just like me because I'm on the team? Because when I didn't have that, I was nothing to them. But when I did have that, I was something to them. So I related Mm -hmm. them liking me, them spending time with me to the fact that I played volleyball and I didn't want to just be liked for volleyball. I wanted to be liked for Ashley. Right. That totally makes sense. And I've had experiences like that.
0: I guess he's really focusing on things that were painful before, things where he wasn't accepted. And you describe that to things where you weren't accepted and then became accepted, am I only being accepted for this one thing, right? So it was right. a negative thing. I mean, I, I mean, I, I, I look, I often am like, think to myself, great, you know, am I, am I impressive because I don't drink and do all the things I was supposed to do anyway? <laughs> you know, like sometimes it's like, gosh, that's, that's kind of embarrassing. Um, right. Right. You know, is that, is that what I'm going to be, you know, known for the girl who did what she was supposed to do and stopped putting herself in dangerous situations? Woo. Let's celebrate, you know? Right. Right. So it is
1: something to be celebrated though. Don't get me wrong. Totally. totally. Something to be celebrated. Totally. Totally. But at the same time,
0: I, I, I do relate to like, I don't want to only be, you know, I, I, there's more to me than
1: my alcoholism and my addiction. I, I feel like it would be like you, Let's say you are my boss, but let's say, call you my boss for all intents and purposes saying, Ashley, you're really phenomenal at your job because you're a single mom. I don't want to be just good at my job because I'm a single mom. And I've got all that right. going on in my personal life. I want to be good at my job because I'm freaking good at my job. It's like we attach. So we attach yeah, the single yeah, mom yeah. and that makes me a better employee. We attach the transgender and that makes Luke a better man. He just wants to be accepted for being a man. Right, right. That that You, I, you totally just
0: spark something for me and I lose my mind over this. And I probably shouldn't say this because it's fine. And I know that it's where we are in society, but when people, I, I I get to do write these articles or do these interviews for things as for the woman entrepreneurs and the woman, the, the girl boss and the, the female entrepreneur, this and the, you know, whatever. And it's, you know, it's the similar thing where like, no, I'm just an entrepreneur. Like I happen to be female, but that's not where we are in society. Right. And that's same with the trans man and same yep. with the single mom. And it drives me nuts because I'm, I am a female entrepreneur, which means that I'm in a different category. I'm impressed. I, I'm impressive because I'm female and an entrepreneur mm-hmm. and I'm, mm-hmm. you know, I, but you know, I don't compete with the male entrepreneur. I know I'm not competing in the big leagues kind of deal. So, Right, you
1: want to be impressive because you're impressive, not because we're adding the word female to entrepreneur. And I feel like that's exactly the same as what Luke was trying to say. I want people to be impressed with me because I'm a man, not because I'm a trans man. And I think he articulated that so, so well.
0: I suspect that the best way to do that is not to tell people, and let them get to know you before, you know, I I love doing that for, for, with alcoholism is, you know, when I'm in school or with, with people who might otherwise have judgment about those things. I just don't mention it. And then they get to know me really well. And they have been able to create an impression without that information. And then I actually feel like they respect and like me for who I am. And that's just additional information. It's just, it's just, wow, that's really impressive on top of, but it's not, I don't, if I don't lead with it, then I don't feel like that's why they're impressed. So that's hot tip. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Hot tip. Okay. So Keith, I'm going to go, I'm going to play Keith's clip here.
4: I remember looking at other people, like a friend He's yeah. his boyfriend and I'm like, oh, okay. I like those jeans he's wearing. Right, okay. right,
0: right. He's
4: cute, you know. And I remember thinking, damn, am I bisexual? Because right. there, there was a, a disconnect there for me because I didn't have, I felt I didn't have the, the choice to choose. Right. Because what happened to me, so did this stem from this? Right. Or is this natural?
0: Right. How know, confusing.
4: Very confusing. So then I, I had a lot of fight coming and I wasn't aware of it.
0: One thing that um, I've worked with a lot of people, you know, of all genders who have been molested as their first sexual experience. And I want to just put out there that it's particularly men who have been abused as young boys by other boys, by other men or boys as their first sexual experience, the sexuality piece is really difficult. And it doesn't matter whether you turn out as homosexual or not. The straight men have as hard of a time with it as the homosexual men or anyone in between. And it's something that's really interesting. You know, it's not, I don't see it quite as much with the on the, you know, female side, but this particular issue, and I think it's important for people to understand and to hear from you, it doesn't matter whether you're straight or gay or anything in between, when your first sexual experience is something confusing, it it confuses things throughout your life and that's normal. Yeah, I stand by that. (laughs) Uh, That shit is confusing for kids, for people, particularly... When boys are molested, they, particularly boys who are straight, um, heterosexual males, often will question themselves because their first sexual experience was with someone of the same sex, and it 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 is it is very confusing. I mean, it's very confusing anyway. It's right, you know. It's definitely something to avoid if you can help it um but you know that uh, sadly our first sexual experience shapes us right. shapes us sexually <laughs> for the rest of our lives and so it's just something that we have to it's something that we have to address if it's a place of if it's a place of discomfort
1: yeah and i think i just wanted to like pick your brain on that more so if people are feeling those feelings or that is something they have struggled with. What do you suggest? And I know you don't want to give advice, but like, what does, what does someone do to work through, feel those feelings, uh, heal that kind of thing?
0: So my answer is going to be, might feel lazy because it might be the obvious answer, but my experience is that therapy is incredibly helpful. Talk therapy is incredibly helpful for this stuff because you get to pick it apart. And I have been lucky and able to do therapy on child on my childhood sexual abuse for many, you know, over the course of many years. And in January when I went to the that um, eating program. I went into a therapist's office and gave her the lowdown, right? And I always say, okay, I'm a person who's experienced childhood sexual trauma and, you know, just kind of laid it out the way that I always do. And she challenged me on my narrative around what happened and not not like the details of what happened, but how I feel about what happened Mm -hmm. and, and versus how I present. And it was really interesting that I feel very resolved, but the way that I present the story is much, is the way that I presented it when it wasn't resolved because that's the story, right? So I present to her the way that it was because I want, I want to give her the picture of what I dealt with,
1: mm-hmm. but
0: it's not how I feel today. And mm-hmm. so when I have the story in my head of how, I, you know, how I was let down and how people didn't show up for me and all those things, which are true. Mm hmm. But the truth is, is I believe I honestly believe everybody was doing the best they could, and despite the fact that it didn't turn out well, I, I don't think that that was malicious. And so it's really the reason I give this example is that the story will change over the years. So going into therapy talking about it breaking it down with a talented therapist i was able to go oh my gosh i am so resolved on that and i'm mm-hmm. still presenting like i'm not and that's just my old that's just the way i'm used to telling my story you know publicly i'm used to telling these things and and that doing that is affecting how i feel in my body when i tell that story in the way that's, that's painful I feel pain and sadness when I tell that story as, look, I know this was bad, but I do also believe that everybody was doing the best they could. I feel different in my body. So doing the therapy over the years was the th- was the bridge between those two narratives, right? I did a lot of work to get to that new narrative, but I didn't know, I didn't realize that I was still stuck in the old narrative, even though I'd done the work right so so my point in telling you all of this is that therapy at all stages of the game you know it evolves and this thing that happens you know that happened to you is likely to evolve as you evolve and so i really really advise people to talk to someone about it because you may think you have it resolved you may think that you know, it's too embarrassing to talk about. You may think no one has ever experienced this. You may think you're going to be, what all those things, ultimately those things aren't true and Mm -hmm. being able to talk them through is so illuminating. And again, a talented therapist will help find a lot of resolution. And it's kind of like the suicide stuff. When you, when you shine light on some of these dark, deep things, they're not as scary, right? It's like, The shadow in the corner of the dark room that looks like a scary monster, when you turn the light on, it doesn't look like a scary monster. And turning the light on in this particular case is talking about it. So that's my suggestion.
1: Well, and I love that you said that because it was in therapy that I actually discovered and was able to give the voice to my first sexual experience for what it was, which is I I was telling myself that I was a bad person. I had made bad decisions. I had done these bad things. And when I was talking to my therapist, my therapist was like, is it possible you were sexually assaulted? Like what you're explaining to me sounds like sexual assault, but yet you're putting all of the blame on yourself. And that's when I was able to start putting those pieces together and just discover what had happened, what didn't happen, what might've happened, what I don't know happened and begin working on those things. And I didn't even go to therapy for that. I went to therapy because I was getting divorced. Right. Totally. It just comes out. Yeah. I mean, the amount of people
0: whose first sexual experience, particularly who struggle with substance use disorders, is some sort of sexual trauma or sexual assault is frankly horrifying. And that just means that we have a responsibility to take care, you know, to to you know protect ourselves, and also to talk about it and give space for other people to talk about it, so that we don't live with that discomfort. Because I do know a lot of people who say, "Well, I only said no once," or "I only," you know, d- different things in talking, you know, and then. They have all the feelings associated with that. And then they have this therapy breakthrough therapy session and they're able to actually work through it. Because Newsflash, if you're working on something that isn't actually accurate, it's not how you feel in your body, it won't resolve because it's right. not, it doesn't actually, it's not the medicine, right? If you, it's not the right antibiotic for the the infection. So it right. may be an antibiotic, but if you're not treating the right infection it's not going to do anything so it's important to break apart the stories and break apart the beliefs and break apart all these things as painful as they are and 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 be able to look at them differently and that that's that's what creates the resolution there's a great episode that I did with Arlena Allen who talks about this and talks about the experience of enjoying the what, you know, what would we would consider abuse. And that is a huge thing people are ashamed about that they that it wasn't a scary, you know, traumatic experience for them. And then they so then they don't even know that that's what it is. So there's lots of scenarios. And I think, again, coming to a place where you're able to talk about them, Maybe find someone with your story, Listen, you know, hopefully in the podcast and hopefully over the many, many podcasts that are out there, you can also find people who have your story. And that's always a really comforting thing if you're not ready to talk about it. Try to find someone with your story.
1: And this is actually something we have a category about on our By Topics page. There's a category with sexual assault or sexual trauma. And so, uh, unfortunately, a lot of our guests have had a similar experience to Keith or to other people out there. So,
0: yeah, yeah. Did you want to do we talk about anything with Keith or no?
1: Do you want to talk about
0: anything
2: else with Keith?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I love Keith. I love him. He's like my... BFF. And if you didn't listen to his episode, listen, because you'll fall in love with him. But uh, he's just an amazing person with an incredible journey and has gone through some very heartbreaking things. But I think the thing that I love about him is that he's smiling again. Like he's Mm. found his smile. And I think there were moments throughout his story where you can hear where that was just gone because he was thinking, who loves me who accepts me. And now he's found this beautiful place in recovery of love and acceptance.
0: I love it. I also love that he doesn't like labels, but he identifies
1: as gay. <laughs> I knew you were going to bring that up. So good. I knew it. I love it. I, I, I dig it. I appreciate that. Well, if you are still listening in, thank you for hanging <laughs> with us. We would... Absolutely love it. If you would leave us a review, we know that most of you are listening on Apple podcasts. So here is how you can review the show. If you're listening, simply open the podcast app on your computer or phone. Find the Courage to Change a Recovery podcast page. Scroll down until you get to ratings and reviews. And then there's little stars to click on, but there's also a section where you can write a review. We love hearing feedback from our listeners, and that is one way that you can provide feedback on the show. Yes, uh, this show is obviously free to you, and we
0: we hope that if you have any desire to support us in any way if you're looking for it if this brings value to your life we really really appreciate subscriptions and reviews on apple Podcasts. it makes a big difference so thank you so much this podcast is sponsored by lionrock.life lionrock.life is a recovery community offering free online support group meetings useful recovery information and entertainment Visit www.lionrock.life to view the meetings, schedule, and find additional resources. Find the joy in recovery at lionrock.life.